All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast on the Overtime Media Network. I'm Doug Norrie. Over there is... James Davis here in the Vivid Seats Lounge. No, no longer in the Vivid Seats Lounge. So well, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe I'm we'll still in the Vivid Seats Lounge. <laughs> you, can, you can continue sitting in the Vivid Seats Lounge. I am no longer sitting there. And as the host of the podcast, <laughs> I will not be broadcasting from oh, the Vivid God. Seats you Lounge. Give a guy, you give a guy one responsibility to be the host of the podcast. He lords <laughs> it over your head. Okay, go ahead. No, no. I, I, that, was, that was a purposeful <laughs> thing. I was hoping you would move right past it because I didn't talk to you about the ad reads. We have other ad reads we're going to get to today. The Vivid Seats is not going to be one of them. But I had to have a question about... Um, we're going to get into this. We have a pretty big – the NBA has been totally crazy with the schedule. It's like, hey, sure. every single team is going to play on Monday. Mm-hmm. One, one gamer on Tuesday with no competition with any other sport. Okay, sure. figure that one out. And then Wednesday we're right back to just like every other team playing. But that's neither here nor there. And we'll get to Zion Williamson making a debut today. A lot of stuff to talk about with the NBA. I want to talk real quick about all-star voting. Oh. Do we need to do the thing with all-star voting now where – it's like when a town – a town's like, we're going to rename the street in the town. We're putting up the public vote and, like, D's nuts wins, you know, or something like that. Like, <laughs> right? It's just like, and you're like, well, that was the rules. <laughs> so I guess it's going to be, like, D's nuts boulevard or whatever, like, you know, those cra- <laughs> crazy things where it happens. Like, do we need to say to ourselves now as a public, as a public entity, say, we just can't, it's okay. People just can't have nice things anymore because it's going to be too funny. My, my example being right now in the all-star voting, in the West, the fourth highest guard vote. It's a Luca is one, Harden's two, Damian Lillard's three, Alex Caruso four. He's almost has a million votes for the All Star game. He has mm-hmm. more than Westbrook. Curry, I mean, Curry's up there. Donovan Mitchell, Booker. I mean, every other guard. So I only named four guards. So that's that's the, that's the West. That's the West guard. The East. The East front court is even arguably better. Giannis, Siakam, Embiid, Butler, Tatum, Taco Fall, number six. <laughs> With <laughs> with three with three quarter of a million votes, and then it's well, like this is also where like, the internet ruins everything too. Because... Well, that's what I mean though. It's it's funny, it's hilarious, but in a world where there's like a chance, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna make. It. I'm not sure how many of these guys get there because like Taco's sixth, but Caruso's fourth, and he's probably. But he's only he's like less than a hundred thousand behind Dame Lillard, um, and really pretty far behind Luca and James Harden. In a world where like this could. The, a statistical anomaly could like launch these guys into the All-Star game. Do we just need to do away with the fan vote, right? Like, is it like, is that the end of it, or is it fun? Like, I can't. I'm trying to decide. Like, you got to laugh out of you, but I'm also wondering, like, if it would be funny if the All-Star game started in Taco Fall, just like took the court with the, you know, with the East All-Stars. Like, where do you where do you land on the NBA voting at this point? Yeah. So the NBA game or the NBA All-Star game. There's there's only a couple problems with it just being totally for fun. One is that it does affect people's like Hall of Fame candidacy and stuff like that. Contracts too. Is, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think I think that's a little bit rough. Um, in terms of the game itself, literally no one cares about the NBA All Star Game. So if this makes people care, I imagine that's a good thing. Um, can I give you one my example of the the old we can't have nice things thing? Yeah. So I once uh, traveled the country with my wife when we were much younger. And we stayed at this incredible place that had all these natural hot springs built right into the building in a town called Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. And so the story with this town is that it was named Hot Springs forever because it just has like all these different hot springs. It's a really, really cool place. And then in the 50s, there was some stupid radio show called Truth or Consequences. And I guess like a few people on the town council really liked this show. And the guy said as a joke that they would broadcast live from the first town that named their town after the show truth or consequences and these people 
and and so these people that ran the city council really wanted to meet those people so they literally renamed their town truth or consequences new mexico and the guy came out and like broadcast live from that town but it's still named that like 70 years later or whatever it's just the stupidest name for a town possible and just like there's just one tiny little group of voters again uh just decided that they would just make their town a complete joke because they wanted to meet the host of a stupid radio show. Yeah, so. and then it's just like all those guys die and then all of a sudden your, your town forever is truth and consequences and no one can remember why and you can't get it out. You can't. Well, the, um, another, the other example I was trying to look it up real quick, I know we're going to get an MBA in a second, was that there was a the British Navy, um, like a survey team, they built this new boat that was going to go to Antarctica and they put it up to public vote about what the boat was going to be called and I couldn't, but I only, I couldn't remember what it was the, the name of the boat, this is the name, you should, you should look at the picture of this thing, because it's like a big, you know, nice looking like ship liner that's going to go to Atlant- uh, uh, um, Antarctica. The name of the boat, Bodie McBoatface. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to do the rest of the podcast with these examples of this stuff. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface is the, now that guy, you know, this guy who spent his entire life becoming a captain of a boat, like just like probably like the most <laughs> regal, you know, straight face guy who's working for like the English Nautical Institute. Yep. <laughs> what are you the captain of? I'm the captain of Bodie McBoatface. Okay. We're going we're, we're gonna to roll. We're going to roll through. <laughs> I'm going to laugh this whole time. We're going to roll through some NBA games here. I have a bunch of them, 12 games on Wednesday sleep. Ooh. Bunch of stuff to get to, a lot of injury news and notes, and you know, the players that remain out that we have a pretty good sense uh, of some teams of how, what their plan is. I think, no, not, at first glance, there's not a ton of value, but there's, this is also such a big slate that I'm also not worried over the course of the day uh, where things will land, and then a couple teams that we're going to have to try to make sense of, especially when we get down. Uh, into close to lineup block. Seven o'clock games. Philly goes in and plays Toronto. Toronto getting healthier now. They have Siakam back. Gasol's back. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is back. So they're looking very much like the team that they started with at the beginning of the year. Philly is still without Embiid. They have played their starters tons of minutes. Matisse Thibel has moved into the starting lineup with this group and played a lot as they kind of just transformed themselves. They played pretty well, too, without Embiid. So it's bringing up the old stupid, are they better without Embiid questions? You got to love when stars get hurt and everyone else plays well. Anything to like about this game? I will say the one, it has, it's not necessarily official, but it still very much seems as if Pascal Siakam is on a minutes limit. He has not really topped yes. 30 or 31 minutes over the last couple games. It is not, it's not going up, it's going up incrementally, but not like in the, you know, typically this stuff kind of goes like in the 10 to 15% range. That doesn't seem to be happening with him. So I just kind of want to make that note. Uh, anything to like about this game? Yeah, the one guy our system is kind of eyeballing here is Ben Simmons. And perhaps no surprise i i kind of hate when the system does this where like after one really insane game it's like you should play this guy <laughs> so he's going yeah. off his 84 fantasy point performance against brooklyn your brooklyn nets by the way and yeah. i do kind of get it though right i mean simmons has paid a 5x or better floor in his last six games and we knew it's kind of funny because it didn't play out this way right away when Embiid went down but the story before this season was that when Embiid went down simmons's usage rebounding his assists basically everything would go up because you get fewer of these possessions where it would just be Embiid playing one-on-one uh, versus the opposing center so I do think Simmons is probably a more expensive player than this you know just at face value and I think you know it's a tough matchup with Toronto but potentially the price is pushed down a little bit too far uh, to where it should be so I, I could see playing Simmons but uh, as far as the rest of the Sixers go I just think they're all sort of efficiently priced at this point. 
Yeah, I don't mind it basically just on the minutes floor. I'm a little worried about Horford. I'm not thinking, I don't think he's hurt necessarily. I mean, he might be a little hurt, though. I'm not exactly sure. The minutes aren't going crazy. Um, he is getting some usage there because he was another guy that was like, oh, you know, he's going to spike through the roof with that MB. And the stats he did early. Back. Yeah, but then yeah, the he's stat. jumped up $2,000 in price. Um, I don't mind a guy like Thibault, um just for like some on FanDuel for some defensive stats upside because this guy is just an absolute steal machine. So he he would be he's one of these guys. I think Simmons leads the league in steals, but Thibault, if he was just a regular starter, I think I'm pretty sure this guy would easily lead the league in steals if he played like 33, 34 minutes a game. He had four against the Nets. He's had 10 in the last four games. So um, only because FanDuel really just completely and kind of crazily overweights that stat. I think Thibault is interesting at 4,200, but you really got to get there on defensive stats. That being said, if there's a guy that can get there on defensive stats, it does feel like it's Thibault. But, yeah, I think at this point we're probably looking at efficient pricing on most of these other guys. Uh, though Harris, if you thought Harris was going to trend to 38, 39 minutes, yeah, sure. 6,400 6, on FanDuel. He ran really bad from the field against the Nets, but um, I don't mind it. And he's a guy that can he can, he can, he can score in the right situation. Um, and it's probably still cutting it close based on Toronto's wing defense. All right, we'll roll through the rest of these games here. OKC goes in and plays Orlando. Very low total in this one, 208.5 to open with Orlando, two-point favorites. Only injury news here on the OKC side, and it might be important, is the status of Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel. Right now, both questionable. Adams left the game really early last time around, and I think he only played two or three minutes. And Noel didn't play at all. And Mike Muscala came in off the bench and played, but then they kind of started Dennis Schroeder, and they kind of, kind of they did some funky stuff with the lineup. Where do you land here? If Adam sat, Nerlens Noel was chalk last time mm -hmm. he started, but he was definitely on a minutes limit, right? Like he was on a 22 or 23, but he crushed because he just did every single thing in a basketball game. Right. Where would you land on a guy like Noel for cash again, if Adams were to sit, you know, do you have any interest in Mike Muscala? What would this kind of – give me some breakdown about what this injury stuff would mean. Yeah, I mean, Noel sat last game, and he's just listed as questionable for this game. I just can't imagine that he goes out there and plays more than 20 minutes. And that being said, he just might not need it. Uh, you know, you talked about Thibel being a defensive machine. Noel averaging four defensive stats a game in 20 minutes in those two games that he played against uh, Portland and Miami. And – when he's on the court, he's just getting blocks. Like, if you have to go back to mid-December for a game where he had less than two blocks when he played, and you're looking at games where he had, like, nine minutes and two blocks, 18 minutes and two blocks, like, he's pretty incredible. So I think on FanDuel, uh, very much a consideration, even if you think he's only going to play, you know, sort of low 20s minutes. Um, that being said, the rest of the Thunder team, Orlando is just a sneaky, really tough matchup this year, uh, playing a bottom-four pace Top six defensive efficiency means that there's fewer possessions, and the possessions you do get are of a lower quality. So uh, overall, I'm, I'm pretty down. On a huge slate like this, it's hard to imagine playing fairly priced guys into Orlando here. Yeah, like I said, this is the lowest. I said 208.5. That I'm pretty sure it open is easily the lowest total. Oh, no, never mind. 195.5 for Utah Gordon's Golden State. So have fun with that. But, jeez, uh, 195.5. Is that a typo? I got to look, look at another source for this. That's, that is so low. <laughs> for the, I, I get that, like, teams are injured and they play slow or whatever, but that is – I feel like that's the lowest I've seen this year. I'll it's look at that low. real quick. But, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I'm totally with you. No, I really wish Orlando had another scorer on their team. That's really where they've been struggling this whole season. But they, because like that, that defensive efficiency is a team that should be like sniffing the playoffs, and they're really not right now. And so, or are they actually? Wait, let me take that back. Oh no, sorry, they're they're seventh seed in the West or East. Never mind. Um, take that back. Strike that from the record. Uh, they they're probably a scorer away from being able to probably be in the Pacers class, which is interesting. And that's really probably neither here nor there for us. Okay, Sacramento goes in and plays Detroit. The, this game is a 220 and a half over under. Ken Bazemore is going to make his debut tonight. I'm not sure it matters to be coming off the bench in that Ariza spot. So I'm, you know, maybe 20 minutes. I wouldn't give him anything more than that. But we did see, and I was, oh, I was a little hesitant about pulling the trigger on this, and I felt like it was going to happen. Was that Marvin Bagley would see finally see a minutes increase? He had been on something of a minutes limit for, since coming back from injury, 23, 30, 30. And then went out and played 33, but I think it was actually closer to 34 in regulation against Miami because they went to overtime. Uh, he's only 5,100 on FanDuel. Mm -hmm. he, he was chalk last time. I, I very much feel like he's going to be chalk again in this matchup. Yeah, I think you just play Bagley here. I, I don't really see a strong argument against it. Uh, he's a fantasy point per minute guy. His fair price is probably like 7,000 <laughs> or something like that. So I, I think he's... You rarely get an opportunity to play guys that are 40% too cheap. And I think Backley is one of them. I think, you know, this is an example of why I was saying, like, you know, I had less enthusiasm about a guy like Tobias Harris, who's like, you're like, ah, you know, you could see it. You could see him getting like maybe to 5x on a big slate like this, especially on FanDuel this year. You're just not cashing with 300 fantasy points, right? Like, that's not a thing anymore. Paying value is no longer 5x, unfortunately. And it's because of plays like Bagley who are just criminally underpriced while people are on vacation or, or who knows what's going on. Yeah, no, that makes that that's a good point about the about where we land just in terms of value, right? For so long, it was five X was sort of the watermark of where you needed to land, where you want to be projected at, and yep, that's just really not the case anymore. Some of these scores are absolutely through the roof, and 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 they're through the roof across the board because at times, sometimes the plays are so obvious. And I will say, our system for the course of the season has been off chalk a lot this year. Um, and not in a bad way. I think that there's sometimes there's consensus around plays that our system doesn't see it, and it ends up being sort of correct. And I don't know if it's because we're modeling a little bit differently or we're just playing with some of the edges or we're not willing to take a look at some chalk plays and just bump them for the sake of being chalk. And I think people do tend to do that at times, and it's incorrect. And I feel like we're sort of profiting off that idea of not, not being swayed by industry consensus so um but that being said Bagley is really not an example of that the rest of the team they have you know they have concentrated minutes around the around the starters here and even and at the same time Sacramento kind of does feel like a mess and I'm wondering what your opinion here is on Detroit because the two guys that have the most difficult time figuring out and I feel like they themselves have the hard time figuring out where they want to play them is Rose and Drummond this team these guys make up a vast majority of what this team does just from a fantasy perspective and I feel like we have too many games where it's like 29 minutes from Rose or like, I mean, Drummond had some, had an ejection and had some, uh, an ejection, I think he had, there was a blowout one game, but do you get worried at all about Detroit's minutes? Because I feel like they tend to come and go more than I'd like out of guys at these prices. Well, so I think Drummond, usually he only loses his minutes for game script or like foul trouble related reasons, but he will, you know, like if Detroit falls down by 12 in the third quarter, you'll just see Drummond come out way earlier. Like, they don't have any interest in pressing the issue with him when the team is down, for the most part. Um, but I think the plan generally is to leave him out there. Rose is one I sort of can't figure out, and this is a conversation we were having, um, I think it was last Friday, maybe. Uh, we were looking at 
whether to play Rose, I think going into that Cleveland game and it was like, or the Chicago game, I think. And we were like, Hey, you know, it's kind of hit or miss with him, right? Like the plan, some games, it's clearly some internal decision they've made. Like they just like certain matchups better than others. Cause it's not game script related. Sometimes he'll play 34 minutes, 36 minutes. Sometimes he'll play 28 to 30. So you basically have to guess right on him. And when you do, you can get paid off. Uh, we guessed right that night and, and we're paid off. But when you don't, you can get punished pretty hard. And now that the price has come up, he's back in that Tobias Harris group for me where it's like, okay, it's a, a fair price. So why bother for a guy that's so volatile in cash games? Yeah, I think that I, I kind of land there. I want him to be. I want the matchup to be absolutely perfect. I think it was Atlanta that we were, that that was the matchup um, with Rose, and I just want that to be an yeah, absolutely right. perfect matchup. And the Sacramento one just doesn't strike me as that one, and I think it's fine. And but again, like maybe this is a situation to monitor where they get the game with twenty five minutes, and then you look see them going into a better situation the next time, and they'll look like value. All right, before we get to uh, some of the rest of these games. Get to one of our sponsors. Mm. This show is sponsored by the Athletic. The Athletic, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this on another, our other, my We Got Nets podcast because that's also a sponsor there. And for so long, content's been free for so long on the internet that I think sometimes it's hard to think about getting a content-based subscription package because we've just been so used to just reading free stuff for years and years and years. But the Athletic kind of has flipped that on its head where the content's just so good. That it's just one of those things like, oh, I just... I'm getting such a high value on what I'm reading here that it's worth it. The guys like even just they, every sport, obviously, but even the basketball stuff. Hollinger's over there. He's, you know, people want to say Zach Lowe's one of the best minds of basketball, and he is. John Hollinger is the guy who was hired by our freaking front office, and now he's back writing for the Athletic, and it's just the stuff's so good. So anyway, the Athletic is uh, is a subscription-based service, but in-depth coverage from local writers. I, mean, I mentioned the you know the Shams and Hollinger piece for NBA. They have Glazer, Sando, Lombardi, guys like that for NFL. Uh, there's no ads, no pop-ups, no clickbait, just great sports writing, exclusive player profiles, the analytics, team power rankings, fantasy sports stuff. Uh, then you're going to get, you also get a live customized feed for your interests so you can kind of focus in on the sports and the teams that you want to read about. All you got to do, download the Athletic app, pick your favorite teams, and then it'll begin surfacing at least uh, the latest players and storylines that matter for you. And right now, listeners of the DFSR podcast can get 40% off a yearly subscription to The Athletics. That's athletic.com slash overtime with the podcast network we're on, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. Written content, audio, video, it's all there on The Athletic and 40% off for that year-long subscription. Athletic.com slash overtime will get you started. All right, Lakers go in and play the Knicks. 224 over under. Anthony Davis did come back last time around. Had was was on a minutes limit though, and they. I, I, my guess is they're probably on some kind of minute. I don't think it's been officially stated at this point, but my guess is they're just going to continue to have him on the minutes limit. Between that and a possible blowout, I don't know where you land here. Although I, I get, I, I don't worry about LeBron as much with blowout stuff. I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on the Lakers? Really good matchup mostly, but they are 11 point favorites against the Knicks. Yeah, what we found with the Lakers is when they do blow out teams, it's just because of, of Davis and LeBron. And I think those two guys are the reason to get into the Lakers in general on any given slate. Like, you know, we've had some soirees with Kyle Kuzma when Davis has been out of the lineup. But really, it's been those big two guys, um, you know, and spattering of centers on DraftKings when they get too cheap. Uh, but yeah, I think both Davis and LeBron are, are sort of interesting at these price points. Uh, I think while the minutes haven't totally been there, 
that's almost upside for me at this point because on the off chance that the Knicks wind up hanging, you know, you'll get 36 plus minutes out of LeBron and he could put up some really incredible fantasy totals in that case. So yeah, I think these guys are playable. You know, this early in the discussion, I'm going to hold out and see what other options sort of come around because I do think there is a little bit of blowout risk here. Uh, but yeah, on, on face value, if I saw LeBron in our optimal lineups, I wouldn't be frantically trying to get him out in the way I might with someone like you know, Giannis, who could play 25 minutes, right? Yeah, right now he is in our FanDuel lineup at 11-2. That's mostly because of some of that cheaper middle-tier value that we discussed before, and there's a few more guys we're going to get mm-hmm. to shortly. I do think that if the you know every minute that Anthony Davis is on a limit, that probably just does help yeah. boost LeBron's overall usage, um, even though he, he is very good with, with Anthony Davis anyway. Uh, I think it is somewhat helpful if you thought Davis was not at full run. Hopefully we get some. It's a 7:30 game, so hopefully we get some kind of news on it. I'm not sure you can run it for definitely for cash. You cannot run any Knicks into the Lakers here. The pace is too slow, and the defense is just simply too good, and the Knicks are too bad. So I don't think from a cash game perspective you're considering anybody on the Knicks here. Washington goes in and plays Miami. The last game Jimmy Butler sat out, but he is probable to play here, so it looks like he's going to be back. They're nine and a half point favorites, and we quickly discussed this off the podcast uh, before that we thought that that Washington might be the first team since we've been doing this where starting <laughs> for this team is actively worse than yeah. the actively worse situation for you than coming off the bench um, it's really pretty amazing uh, just who gets to play and who doesn't on this team outside of the name outside of Bradley Beal it's really the only guy that is in this current iteration even somewhat safe with his minutes mm-hmm. I mean is this this to me, it's completely unprecedented. It's kind of just a joke. I, I don't even know what to do with a team where your starters are going to play way less than your bench guys. Like, what, like, what is the point? I just don't even understand what the strategy is there. Well, it's the old... Uh, it reminds me of a strategy we used when I was uh, in college, Doug, where you can take... Like, you have one matchup that's so clearly in your favor, and this was in a beer pong tournament, by the way. I don't, is that going to be okay with our sponsors? I don't know. But you have one matchup that's so... We, we were doing these like odd team ones. Anyway, you have one matchup that's so clearly in your favor and then one one team that's just absolutely awful. So what you do is you're like, I want to split the difference. So I'll put my terrible team against the great team, right? So they're going to lose regardless, but then we'll put our good team against their okay team and then maybe we'll split it 50-50. So maybe that's what Washington does. They're like, listen, our starters, they're going to get... No matter who we put out there, they're going to get absolutely blown out. What if we put our best guys against their second unit, and then we'll equally blow them out? So that's that's me trying to, you know, play the the devil's magician here and try to figure out what the hell could possibly be going on. Because certainly we've never seen any sane team try anything like this. Yeah, and maybe they're just in a situation where, man, it's like, hey, look, for inter- as as, plaus- as far as plausible reasoning goes, that's. It's pretty good. I can, I, can, I can buy it only because nothing else makes sense, right? We're not even like, I guess it's like an Occam's razor thing. It's like, that's the, is that the only thing that can make sense here? Like in the world of infinite possibilities? It's either that or it's like crazy like a fox or just crazy like an idiot. Like I don't know <laughs> which one it is. I'll, I'll go to the crazy like a fox one and go with your explanation, I suppose. Miami does get a fantastic match here against the, the Wizards who do play one of the worst defensive, uh, defensive efficiencies in the league, 29th overall, and run a pretty fast pace at nearly 106. And that being said, I just don't know. I feel like we just have such a track record now on Miami playing the same exact guys, pretty much the same run with the same opportunity that I'm not seeing any value from them. And that's a rough one because even on big slates, we usually do want to run guys into the Wizards. Right. Yeah, and Miami, I think, you know, there's a – going to be a number of teams like this on today's slate, but 
another team where the prices sort of came up as there was a lot of injury things being passed around, you know, Butler missing a few games, Winslow, and now as the team gets more and more healthy, I mean, Winslow's still out, but as the team is kind of rounding into shape, you know, they're a good team, a good team that play consistent minutes, you're not going to see tons of value. And I think, you know, there are guys you can consider here, like I like Kendrick Nunn, for instance, I think if you can think he's going to play 36 to 40 minutes, I mean, he very clearly has six to seven X upside here. And I'm still, you know, just seeing what I can do better. But for like big tournament purposes, sure, I think you can stack a few of these Miami guys and hope it stays close. You can maybe take a risk on a Duncan Robinson were to sit. Whoever gets the spot start for him yeah, could it's be a lot interesting. Of they could, yeah, no, right, exactly. He does play like he doesn't do a ton because he's mostly just a three point shooter, one of the best three point shooters in the game. But the um, but he does open up something like thirty four to thirty five minutes per game. Uh, that could be like someone like Derek Jones we'd have to see. So keep an eye on that news. But like I said, Butler and even Goran Dragic are probable to play in this game. So we'll kind of have to check that out as we go. Memphis, one of the great stories in the league right now. They are seven-point underdogs to Boston, who's coming off a big win, just a blowout win over the Lakers on Monday. The the Celtics are seven-point favorites. Not a lot of injury news and notes here, except that, well, Jalen Brown is questionable, so I guess we'll have to keep an eye on that one. That one does matter, because all, all it takes for Boston is one guy to be out, sort of, to just kind of open it up for the other three guys that are relevant, because they have four really fantasy-relevant guys that are only relevant when one of those four sit out. That's Kemba, Tatum. Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward. So I guess keep an eye on that. If they were all healthy, though, I'm just not sure I see it. And it sucks because Memphis is another one, sort of like Washington, that they play a really fast pace. The defense is not nearly as bad as Washington, but it's not great either. They're 22nd. Uh, they're 22nd overall in defensive efficiency. Where do you land on this game if everyone were to play? Yeah, I think you hit it pretty much exactly. I, I think basically all these players are efficiently priced. Uh, with the one exception potentially being Kemba. Uh, so he played 38 minutes against Milwaukee, scored 59 fantasy points that day. I think there are scenarios where Kemba, because like Kemba was an $8,000 player before going down, right? And uh, he's sort of been flirting around on these cheaper price points. And the sites are st- sort of trying to recalibrate what the new expectation is there. If you think he goes out there and plays, you know, mid-30s minutes, He's probably criminally underpriced in a matchup like this. I mean, he's averaging better than paying value on this price over the course of the season. And you get him in one of the best matchups possible in Memphis, and you're sort of doing it, right? Like, that—that that is getting away with something. Uh, but you really have to be pinpoint accurate about the minutes. So um, that's that's the thing that I think it's going to take further study from us before we decide whether we're just going to jam him in our optimal cash game lineups or whether it's more of a big tournament play. Yeah, that's what it is. That's the hardest thing with, and he, I just—he's one of these guys too. Without looking, my guess is he's very scoring dependent for a point guard at this point. And so, yeah. if the shot's falling and you're getting one of those heat check nights from him, then that's great. And the, one of the reasons he's sometimes, besides the minutes, one of the th- reasons he's sometimes sort of maybe efficiently or maybe even underpriced is because I do believe that you're probably getting some variance around the scoring based on whether the shot's falling or not. So I can't confirm Well, sure, that. And, and that game that he was awesome against Milwaukee, that also was a game where Jalen Brown was out too, right? But I do think yes, the, it, yeah. the true talent minutes right now is something like mid-30s. So, you know, the, the minutes against the Lakers, they won by 32 points. So, <laughs> And sure. he was great, by the way, in the, the 30 minutes that he played there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a, a tricky situation. I, with a gun in my head right now, I think I could live with Kemba in cash games here. Yeah, and 6,800 is really cheap. I, that's right now yeah, at 34 minutes. Um, he's in our second overall lineup where it's kind of swapping out of Ben Simmons 
It's, it's like, well, and we can talk about Monte mm. Morris here in a second, but uh, I think that that 6,800 is really going to – the floor is pretty damn high at 6,800 in this matchup. On the Memphis side, and this game has, I believe, the highest total of the day at 232. Now, it's the second highest total of the day. Uh, but still, the Celtics have the second highest implied total. Memphis, they are a great story. Like I said, right now, if the playoffs started, they'd be in the playoffs. They're tied in the loss column, one ahead in the wins column over the Spurs. Whether or not they make it, it remains to be seen, but the story is just very cool. And they have they're, they're kind of coming out of the shell a little bit with the minutes now because I think they're they're clearly out of the tank. So they're trying to figure out, you know, I guess they're just going to say, like, let's go for the playoffs. So we have seen a 35-minute game out of John Morant. We have seen them push Jonas Valanciunas at times up to 30 minutes. That's sometimes matchup dependent. And it's just not a team I'm going to go overboard with. And it's been mostly the same guys. So I'm just not sure they're all coming all that cheap right now. Uh, any quick thoughts here on Memphis? Yeah, it's a beating up a matchup, too, going up against the Celtics. So I don't think you're going to wind up playing any of these guys here. I will say uh, John Morant, so fun to watch. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> both the, high, the highlights are crazy, dude. This guy is can't believe I know. Uh, it's, like, it's, after it's any actually, Memphis yeah. game, if you go on the NBA Reddit, you'll just see, like, six threads. It's like, John Morant hits JJJ on a no-look pass. John Morant dunks right. from 10 feet away in traffic. Like, he's just a living human highlight reel. So thank goodness we're getting some some exciting young players being breathed back into the league here. Yeah, uh, he's a lock for the rookie of the year. I don't, it does, I don't think it matters what Zion does of coming back. I, short of half a hurt. season? Yeah, Yeah. like I think he's just, uh, he's a complete lock. The odds will, the gods point in that direction anyway. But yeah, if you haven't, if you're kind of just a casual NBA fan and haven't got a chance to see John Moran play or watch the highlights, it really is kind of like a spectacle uh, in a very, very cool way. And it's cool too. I mean, this guy was like a mid-major guy who's, he, look, he was a third pick in the draft, so I get that. Um, or it was second pick, third yeah. pick. So, yeah, so I get that it wasn't going crazy to, to you know, this is this guy had pedigree, and I no one I really expected him to be this. Okay, uh, yeah, let's second do, uh, pick, by the way. Yeah, second pick. Sorry, RJ was third. I sometimes get those those uh, those guys confused. I don't draft whatever. They end up on the teams, then we give them projections. <laughs> right. Uh, get to another sponsor here. Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe. You probably heard these guys on other podcasts too. It's S I M P L I safe home security commercial grade entry prize level for your home okay so you don't, don't have to go into your office to get good security now now you can just have it in your home and it's not one of those situations where you're going to have someone just kind of show up to your house throw a bunch of wires on figure out where all your stuff is so they can steal it no no you set this kind of thing up yourself uh this is the kind of thing that fortune 500 companies use they need to know where the police are going to be on the scene immediately, and that's what you get when you get Simply Safe Home Security. They use real-time video evidence to give police uh, eyewitness accounts of crimes. Also, just real-time monitors everything around your house as well, and it means that authorities are going to be dispatched up to 350% faster. I couldn't believe it when I first read that number. 350% faster. That feels like they're working on light speed, as opposed to if you just call uh, like a regular 911 situation faster than your normal burglar alarm. Simply safe, comprehensive protection for your home, outdoor cameras, doorbell alerts. This is going to let you know if anyone's approaching, entry, motion, and glass break sensors inside. And then also going to give you protection against fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning. So there's an all-in-one security system, uh, enterprise-level stuff, but something that you can afford and it's easy to install in your home. Monitor 24-7 by live security professionals. Set it up yourself, no tools, uh, or the Simply Safe experts can come there and do it for you. The way to get in on the Simply Safe experience right now, simplysafe.com slash overtime. You're going to get free shipping on your order plus a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash overtime. Save on home security today, simplysafe.com slash overtime. All right. 
we are going to continue rolling here. Uh, Clippers coming on the back-to-back are going to go and play Atlanta. Clippers are four-and-a-half-point road favorites, and I feel like that is a line built on the Clippers are just dealing with some stuff here. I mean, Paul George is still out. They are not completely healthy, and I think the back-to-back is sort of influencing that line too because Atlanta is, from a record standpoint, one of the very, very worst teams in the league, but have been feisty at times, like have been able to stay in games mostly because they can score. The Hawks are usually a team we want to run guys into. This is the back-to-back. Kawhi is not on the injury um, is not mm-hmm. on the injury uh, sheet right now, and I don't know. I feel like I need to go back now because I could have sworn that I read something that there was a thought that he was going to start playing back-to-back. So I don't know a lot to dissect here. The fact that he's not on this, we might get news, we might not. What are your thoughts here? Because Atlanta is just a fantastic matchup from a DFS perspective, and sometimes it's a little hard to know what to do with the Clippers outside of like basically. Kawhi, and I will say Lou Williams. I don't even want to put Montrezl Harrell in that group anymore. Really, those two guys. Give me your thoughts here in this game. So Basketball Monster, who I like for basketball injury stuff, they're probably, uh, you know, we make jokes about other people not paying attention. These guys really do. They have Kawhi currently listed as doubtful, even though he's not listed on the injury report. Uh, doubtful for rest. And I think that's probably where I land on this, too. Uh, hopefully we'll know, because this is a 7.30 Eastern game tonight. So, you know, chances are very high that we'll have this information in advance of Locke, and uh, likewise with Paul George, you know, currently listed as a game time decision, but, um, you know, sources are sort of suggesting that it's more, it's looking more like doubtful for him too, but, but you know, that one is a little, at least a little bit closer. Uh, he was at shoot around on Tuesday, so we're not exactly sure at this point, um, but it's going to be a wait and see, right? I think the Clippers are a quintessential team where everyone is priced to like one of these two big guys being out. And if both of them are back, you can't play anyone. If one of them is out, uh, opportunity starts to open up a little bit. And if they're both out, then it's just a free-for-all of usage where you know someone like Lou Williams could be 80% owned, right? So at this point, I basically have to tell you that you have to just monitor this news and you know follow it carefully because there are a lot of different event trees that could happen here uh, that could make a lot of different guys playable or not. But if if they're both playing, I don't think I'm going to be playing any Clippers here. Yeah, I should take that back. I was I was thinking the back-to-back was influencing the line, but you're probably right. It probably is the Kawhi being doubtful that's influencing the line. So that's my bad. Um, I'm not really sort of picking up on that right away. I, maybe I was just I was trying to. I think I was just translating what I thought had been the case with Kawhi going back-to-backs, but now I'm realizing. I think what I actually read was that the Clippers had very few back-to-backs going forward, um, mm. that they had had a ton to start the year, and that's why it seemed like the load management thing was such a big deal, where he was sitting every game because they had sort of just like an outlier amount of back-to-backs to start the year, but they have fewer now. So I'm going to walk back what I said before, um, and then, you, like you said, with the basketball monster thing, him being doubtful, that definitely translates into it. Uh, and even if George were to come back, he sat out such a long time at this point, I think he'd probably be on something like a minutes limit. So if Kawhi sat, and even if Paul George was back, I think Lou Williams would be something of a lock from a cash sure. game perspective. I'm a little... I'm a little wary about what the like the, the Harrell thing has not turned into outsized production of late, so I'm not exactly sure what to do there. And then the other one to just kind of keep note of is Patrick Beverly did sit out the second half of yesterday's game. He had a groin injury, and um, I think Rodney Magruder started the second half. I should look at that again. Uh, so just keep an eye on the Beverly thing too, because there could be there is a situation here where there are a lot of minutes opened up. So yeah. this is one. This is probably this might be end up being the most important set of news. And luckily, it's a 7.30 game. So with the back-to-back thing, I think I have to shoot around. If they have one today, we'll at least know the Kawhi piece, if not the Beverly piece. And there's some chance we just know both. And that would be a boon for just understanding what we want to do from a lineup perspective. Anything you want to do here on the Atlanta side, have played these starters a lot of minutes. 
specifically Trey. John Collins did trend up in men's last game around, uh, last time around with the dealing with some front court injury issues with guys like Len. Uh, any anyone to like here in Atlanta, especially if they were if, if the Clippers were playing shorthanded. This is not like your defensive stalwart Clippers. Like this is a team that can absolutely be scored on. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's going to be one of the trickier things I think to evaluate uh, going into this matchup because there's not a lot of great. Um, meta on-court off-court data for whole team defense that I've found you know like because you can go find like defense versus position you know again a basketball monster or your side of choice um, you can obviously find pace and defensive efficiency stats uh, on ESPN and, and elsewhere but the general just like well how does it affect this team if like Paul George and Kawhi and the Williams or or rather Patrick Beverly are off the court that's kind of more art than science as far as I'm concerned because uh, you're also getting a small sample size issue. So I will say that the thing I would look at there is the Clippers' pace. Uh, the Clippers are playing a top seven pace this season. And typically teams that play a fast pace are good guys or good teams to run your DFS plays into, right? Uh, sometimes those teams play excellent defense like the Warriors of the past or the Clippers this season. But you have to think if their three best defensive players uh, weren't out there, that that would leave some gaps. You know, uh, forever with Lou Will, the, the reason he couldn't start was because of his defense. So I think that, yeah, guys like Trey Young could become exciting here. Uh, you know, you mentioned John Collins. I think the Hawks, they have a few, they're a, a Prince and Popper team, right? Where they have these guys like uh, Young and Collins who touch the ball all the time, and then guys who are, seem to be okay being relegated to a 3 and D sort of role. So you know the Hawks you want to play if it does come out that way, but another situation that you simply have to monitor leading up to lineup lock here. And I think, like I said, I think we're getting lucky that this is a pretty early start. A, lot, a majority of the games in this slate are going off before 8 o'clock, so 8 o'clock Eastern time. So I think we're going to have yeah. most most injury situations sort of ironed out well before we have to click uh, and finalize what we're doing with our lineups. 8 o'clock games, Denver goes in and plays Houston. Houston's eight-point home favorites here. Denver dealing with some injury issues. Obviously, um, Gary Harris has been out. They uh, and obviously Jamal Murray has been out, and then they're dealing with a Paul Millsap hasn't played in a while too. So they're playing with a lot of they freed up a lot of minutes around some of these other auxiliary players. We've seen Monty Morris's minutes come and go. Uh, we've seen Jeremy Grant kind of go to the moon at times. Michael Porter's come off the bench and really lit it up. He looked really good. Um, I can't I can't believe this guy went. I mean I know they're playing it safe with the back and stuff, but the guy didn't play at all last year and really wasn't even getting off the bench this year. And now looks very much like a guy they completely stole in the draft. Uh, but what do you want to do here with this Denver team? Not decent matchup against Houston, still injured, and I don't know. Like Monte Morris, like he started the one game and, and was outplayed by Malik, Ble uh, Malik Bleasley. So I just don't know. I get that he played 35 minutes last game. He kind of he's also like in this Denver offense. He needs every minute, like th even 30 minutes out of Monte Morris at times is just not going to be good enough. He had a 13-point fantasy game against yep. Indiana when he played 28 minutes. What do you want to do with Morris, Jeremy Grant, like? feel like we should be probably considering these guys pretty heavily and I'm also still worried about the Nuggets yeah Morris he's like my Achilles heel for DFS because one of the things I pay closest attention to when a point guard goes down is who actually becomes the point guard when that guy goes down right because sometimes they'll slot in a new player and that guy plays more of like a you know, stand in the corner and shoot threes guy, and then one of the actual more talented players picks up point guard duties, right? <laughs> like, right. this is a very, very common story. The thing with Morris is, he does seem to actually be the point guard. <laughs> like, he's he had eight assists last game against Minnesota. So it's not that his time of possession or his time on ball is lower. It's that the man simply cannot score. Uh, the last four games, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's shot nine for 32. Is that right? Nine for 32? Yeah, he, he's just a not shooting the ball well at all this season and it's hard to know if that's 
you know, the way it is for him, if he's going to be operating in a starter's role or if it's just a little bit of bad luck, right? Like last year, he shot 49% from the field and 41% from three. So I don't know what to make of Morris. I mean, part of the analytics side of my brain wants to be like, it's a sample size thing, you know, field goal percentage regresses to the mean, but the role is just so different for him with Murray out that we have seen this before where guys step into the starting lineup and they're like, eh, I'm just going to defer to to Jokic right now, right? (laughs) Rather than try to run the offense. So I think he's still a playable option. I think if you can, even for 28 to 35 minutes, I think you still, not that you have to play him, but I do think there's solid potential that you're getting away with something at those prices because the field goal percentage can't get worse, right? (laughs) Like you can't go worse than one for nine. So yeah, I do think you can play him, but there's definitely some context there that at least gives you pause. At 4,000 on FanDuel, I think you just bite the bullet and do it. At 4,800 on DraftKings, it's closer to me. Agreed, I don't yeah. think I, I don't the the, the 4,800 on DraftKings has gives me definitely some pause. I don't know if I want to go there. But at 4,000, if you're just going to buy some safety at other parts of the lineup or just be able to pay up in other slots, I, I think it's totally fine. Though that like Simmons and Kemba Walker combination looks pretty enticing, so that could be a situation that we discuss going forward. On the Houston side, they have the 228 and a half total. We saw Harden miss uh i saw a great i think it was on twitter it was a great tweet it was like james harden sometimes his shooting nights look like tour dates because it was like three for 315 416 <laughs> one, <laughs> 120 <laughs> it just looked like it. yeah i thought that was good um but that being said the use is just still there he did not it, russell westbrook kind of sort of outshine him from a fantasy perspective last game and Denver is a good defense, but like I said, they're dealing with some of the defensive issues. The Paul Millsap thing really does lower the defensive efficiency, not considerably, but enough that it, you know you kind of want to pop up and take notice. Anything you like here on the Houston side, knowing that we're getting a team with a huge total, I guess if you're choosing between bigger players, you're choosing between someone like Harden uh, and and LeBron James on this slate. What are your thoughts here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really tight one because, you know, LeBron with a better matchup there, but you have to think that the minutes are less secure. Uh, Harden, you know, you talked about guys that will play blowout or regardless of game script, Harden really qualifies there. I mean, outside of the most outrageous blowouts, Harden will play 36 to 40 minutes as they try to help him chase, I don't know, 40 points a season, 40 points a game for the season. I don't don't exactly know what he's chasing there, but uh, yeah, I think Harden a very, very interesting play. I think part of that's going to come down to where you can find more value to support the play. You know, I think that's like oftentimes something that our our chatters don't totally understand is that, you know, like regardless of who doesn't show up in the lineup, someone in our chat tonight will be like, system hates LeBron, system hates Harden. It's like, well, no, you just can't play an expensive player at every single position. And when you have to to pick and choose, it's not just between the two players, unless they play the same position, it's also who you get in exchange. And so right now our system is seeing more value at shooting guard and I'm sure we'll get to some of those plays in a minute, but we already talked about Lou Williams. He's one of the guys there. And less value at small forward, where it's kind of trying to grin and bear it with guys like Tobias Harris or even like Marcus Morris. So uh, that leads me to believe that, uh, you know, early returns here are that LeBron will be the guy, but I would be happy playing Harden. I think he's a great play. I just don't know if he's the $11,000 play you can run tonight. Yeah, what you're getting with Harden is the guy's just going to go out and play 37 to 39 minutes, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. just going to happen. This happens come hell or high water, and in a way that really, in a, in a kind of minute safety that you really get from very few players at this point. I think you're getting it from Ben Simmons without Embiid. You get it from Harden just basically all season long. And But the list is really short for guys uh, that that are able to sustain this kind of minutes and usage run over the course of the season. He's priced accordingly because of it, but there is an incredible amount of safety around that, just from a raw points perspective. Because so, Houston just is going to struggle to blow teams out, 
And even when they're sort of blowing teams out, they want to get hard in his, and that's just what they're going to do. So I think from a cash game perspective, I probably would, on, its, on a one-to-one, I would just probably default hard in here because just for that piece of it. And I sure. hear everything you're saying that the positional thing and the really the positional thing is what it comes down to because the pricing is around the same and that small forward position can be tricky at times in a way that you're going to probably have to kiss a frog or two if you don't end up going LeBron. And LeBron can buzz you off because there's a lot of ways that that can go wrong as well. So something else to mm -hmm. think about as we go into making lineups tonight. Minnesota goes in and plays Chicago. 219 over under on this one. Very thin spread with the Chicago only a half point home favor. Big story. I, probably from a DFS perspective, is that Carl Anthony Towns definitely had the minutes restriction lifted from him last game after coming sitting with a question yep. with a stupid total joke of a questionable tag for like two months. Uh, it's for sure, dude. They, like you know, when, yeah, we'll when he got hurt on December thirteenth, they couldn't quite figure out uh, if he was going to play or not for you know the next thirty-five days. So. Yeah, so it just wasn't sure. It's just totally questionable. <laughs> Played in four percent of his questionable days or something like that. Okay, the. He did play 28 on this first game back, 26 against Toronto, and then 35 last game against Denver. That's The reason I'm saying this is because if he's back to a full minutes run, the 10-4 price on him, 10400 on DraftKings, and I'll look at FanDuel real quick. Same the, the price on him, yeah, yeah, 10, 10, 10 one. one He can trend into that LeBron James James Harden sort of fantasy range when things are going for him, well for him, and he's $1,000 less. Where do you land on DeAndre here? Or DeAndre, I'm sorry, I was because I was looking at eight and I was going to compare him later. Yeah, Carl Anthony. Where do you land on him against a Chicago team that is without a lot of size? They're playing Luke Cornett at center. They're without Wendell Carter Jr. They've really been beaten up with uh, with injuries here. How close to a cash game play for you is Towns? Yeah, he's he's really close. I mean, he's he'll be one of the more popular uh, big money guys for big tournaments tonight. Uh, running up against the Chicago team because Chicago, you know, this is it's very rare. Like usually, when you look at these defense versus position charts, it's pretty much like you know if you're bad against point guards, you're bad against centers, probably because you play fast and play bad. Uh, Chicago, they're sort of middle of the pack in defensive stats overall, but they rank dead last in fantasy points allowed to opposing centers. So truly, truly the best possible matchup you can get uh, if you're a DFS center and you're getting Towns at a depressed price. So I think this is. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal big tournament play, and I think we're going to have to do a lot of soul searching as to whether we want to just run him in cash straight up because there's a little bit of, you know, I always feel a little bit wary in situations like this. Um, you know, the matchup against Denver, that's a situation where the Wolves really need Towns, right? Like Jokic being just a true five going the other way, um, you sort of need to match that or else you just lose outright. And I think teams sort of recognize that. Incidentally, that's also why I don't mind running Capella in big tournaments tonight, too. Um, and the matchup is just so good that it, it might not matter. Like, if he plays 31 minutes, he could probably pay this price tonight. So, yeah, I, I'm a big believer in Towns here. One of the reasons um, I think Towns is not maybe a lock is because in the next game, which we can just get to, is Indiana goes in and plays Phoenix, is that DeAndre Ayton has really been completely unleashed here. My guy. From, from, yeah, he's, yeah. You know, he started with the suspension, and then they brought him back, and they wanted to bring him off the bench, and they kind of, you know, because Aaron Baines. But Aaron Baines is doubtful to play. Aaron Baines actually just might be out. Um, he's, yeah, never mind. He's just she's straight up out. The last three he's games. He's playing terribly, too. Yeah, so the last three games, Aiton played 38, 35, 34 minutes, 45, 49, and 56 fantasy points in that stretch. This is not a good matchup against Indiana, but Aiton is still only 8,200 8, on FanDuel. And I think that is where, at least from the you know single position eligibility piece, that is where you can probably get away from Towns because Aiton has 
not maybe the same floor, but when you factor in the price at 2,000 less, um, a points per dollar floor, that's probably maybe arguably better than Towns. Uh, is, is, the, is the existence of Aiton here on this slate enough to just maybe, that maybe the, the question isn't as close as I maybe am posing it? No, I still think it's close. I think that Aiton's a phenomenal play and just dramatically underpriced. I do think there are, you know, there, there's always going to be matchup considerations uh, to bring into a conversation like this. And I think if he had a better matchup, I mean, Indiana's still fine. They're actually kind of a poor man's Chicago in this way and that they're by far the worst against centers. And this has been something that's been troubling them basically ever since Miles Turner took over at center for them is that, you know, for whatever he can do defensively, he's just yields a lot of defensive or uh, I'm sorry fantasy stats uh, to opposing centers so that being said while center is by far Indy's worst position they still play you know the style of ball that just doesn't yield a ton of fantasy production overall so I don't know I don't think you need to force Aiden I guess is my overall point here I think he's a totally playable option I really would love to play him um, I think Towns it could be one of those opportunities where you're getting a high-priced guy in the best possible matchup you know he could be 12,000 against Chicago if they meet again in two months, right? So um, that's the only thing that gives me pause. But yeah, if eight winds up in the lineup, if that's what the math says when we plug every all the inputs in correctly, then I'd be totally fine with it. I don't know if I'm too interested in anything else going on in this game. On such a big slate, Indiana's getting totally healthy now uh, around their key players, so you're not really getting any value there. Phoenix, like as Aiton has taken on a bigger part of the offense for them, and now they are fully healthy. Or not, and it's a bottom are. five pace team in Indiana. Like, I don't think you can jam any other Suns, right? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, you know, Booker's had some big games. Obviously, Rubio's playing more minutes, uh, and we've seen some spikes out of Ubre at times, and that you're not getting any of those guys really. You're not getting away with anything at any of their prices. So I'm not sure yes, I'm not sure outside of Eaton if I really want to go there, um, short of maybe additional injury news. And there's no one at this point sitting out. Uh, there's no real other question marks around that team at this point. Last two games, San Antonio goes in and plays the Pelicans. Word has it that Zion Williamson will make his debut tonight Ooh. against the Spurs. FanDuel ran a hilariously themed contest where it's like, I think it's like their $4 or maybe it's their $9 tournament, where it's the Zion Williamson. If he makes his first, if he makes his first basket, they're going to add $20,000 to the prize pool. Holy cow, dude, that's a lot of money. Yeah, well, for 80,000 people, so 25 cents extra oh. per person. So there you go. Um, <laughs> he is right now officially questionable. I don't think it's a situation here where we're not considering playing Zion. He has not played. I can't. I, I cannot imagine he would play more than 10 to 15 minutes in this game. Um, 10, 10 feels realistic to me uh, just for based on you know, bringing him along slowly. The other injury news piece here is that last game, Jaleel Okafor and Derek Favors both set out. Jackson Hayes got the start but then did not start the second half. Uh, and only ended up playing 20 minutes. I can't remember if that was an injury issue or if they just sat him out because they were losing. But the, the Josh Hart's questionable. Redick, Holiday are probable. And like I said, Okafor and Favors are questionable. I'm not sure. We, you can't run Hayes. You can't run Hayes if you knew either one of Okafor or Favors were playing. And I'm also just worried that we're not going to have the injury news ahead of time for this. And we're getting a situation where maybe – Everyone plays, and New Orleans is totally healthy, and that might just bring everyone to the outside of the value. Uh, any quick thoughts here on the Pelicans? Yeah, I think you're you're pretty much spot on there. The Pelicans are already one of these teams that anyone could play on any given night, and we extract a lot of value out of them when there were more injuries, right? Like we played a lot of Lonzo Ball. Uh, we played a lot of Josh Hart. But as guys start to get healthier, it just becomes a little bit more problematic. Uh, I will say going over to the Spurs side of things, um, I don't know if you can play him tonight, but hats off to us for uh, capturing the DeMar DeRozan thing early on. 
One thing that's been really different about him, because I still think he's an interesting uh, big tournament target, even at these increased prices, is that they're really running the offense through him a lot more. Uh, DeRozan averaging five flat five assists on the season right now. Uh, in his last six games, he's averaging north of eight assists, and that's because the Spurs have just sort of changed up how they're running the offense. Um, you know, DeRozan is not like a, a mid-range ball stopper right now in that offense. He's distributing. Uh, it's, you know, he's staying close to the basket. He's grabbing rebounds. Like, he's really doing something right now. So I think he's sort of a, you know, people are going to look at the price point and be like, hey, I just paid 6800 for DeRozan a week ago, so why do I want to pay 2000 extra? I still think, not that there's room for upside. I don't think you want to do it in cash, but I think he's a pretty interesting, very off-chalk big tournament play. Yeah, and look, the Pelicans are like one of those teams that's right there with Washington and Atlanta. They exactly. run basically the same pace, 105 and change, 105.6 for New Orleans. And they're a bottom five defensive team. Eh, bottom, yeah, no, bottom five defensive team. And this is when that's just the, that's the mashup of what you're really looking for from getting just upside at DFS prices is getting that combination of bad defense and very fast pace of play. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think that people are going to want to do it from a cash game perspective. But, yeah, he's been 43 points basically on lock over the last, over the short term for DeRozan. Uh, if you ever get the DeJounte Murray, this is the game we want to play him, 30 minutes game. You can get some upside on him, but good luck trying to figure out when that is. That's very difficult. Marcus Aldridge has started taking more threes lately, living outside of the arc, but that hasn't, it hasn't always translated to increase, or really hasn't translated to much increased fantasy production either. But that being said, Spurs are basically one of the best matchups you can get in DFS. Final game, I was wrong about the total before. Uh, I read 195 and a half, and that's just, Printed wrong on a thing. I got to check our back end why that's. It's actually 216 is the over under for the Utah Golden State. I wonder if we just caught a weird opening line from our data provider. But it's right now the Jazz are eight point road favorites against Golden State, who are quote unquote healthy. Like I'm not saying that because Draymond Green is going to play here. I don't think you're going to play anyone on the Warriors. You play the Warriors when they run out eight guys because everyone's hurt, exactly. which has happened more times than you would think it would be possible for. Because <laughs> they, 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 there's this weird combination of not of sort of tanking, plus they're playing with all these two-way guys that they keep running out of uh, contracts with. Like Chris is and Chris <laughs> and Damian Lee, like their their two-way contracts just kind of keep going coming up because they keep bringing them back too much, and they have to wait for them to clear waivers and then sign them. This is what the, the theme of their season. The guys are all back, like Lee and Chris, but you get these stretches without them where they have to just try to figure out how they're going to get them back on the team and clear waivers. Anyway, so you wait for the Warriors to have eight guys for a game and play them. Otherwise, I don't think you do. Quick thoughts on Donovan Mitchell. Here, they have a nice total. Yeah. Conley is back. Mitchell is just still so cheap on Vandal. He's 6,200 on Vandal. Has not really gotten there in the short term on this, and the minutes haven't been totally been there with some sort of weird game script. But any thoughts here on Mitchell? Our system's like, oh, yeah, you got 6,200. This guy's an absolute lock. And it's sort of been hit or miss in the short term. No, that's sort of how I, I see it as an absolute lock. I mean, there's two guys that I think are shooting guards that are comically priced, and we actually stepped by one by accident earlier. Uh, Buddy Heald going up against Detroit, kind of in a similar situation to Mitchell where, yeah, you're like, maybe there's a couple of tough games recently. But for Mitchell, just look at his last four games, right? 38 fantasy points against Indy, 28 against Sacramento, which would have been a disappointment on this price, uh, 59 points against New Orleans, which wins you big tournaments, and 31 points against Brooklyn, which is mostly just okay in the new NBA. I think he's a terrific play, right? Golden State's a terrible defensive team this season. And Mitchell, he doesn't need to run the offense and get six assists a game to be better than a $6,000 player, right? So I think this is a one of the easy easy plays, free squares, as our chatters like to call them, and a lock of the night. I mean, he's averaging 38 fantasy points a game. He's a $6,000 salary. He's got a great matchup. I Don't talk yourself out of it because a tough game here and there. I think 
Um, this is one that people will overthink, but not me. Uh, he's going to be in our lineup tonight. I'm almost sure of it. And you can join those chatters by signing up for our projection system and membership package over at dfsr.com slash deals, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com slash deals. We'll get you started. You can sign up for right now for a seven-day free trial, so go check it out. That includes members-only chat, optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings, NBA, NHL, all of its other covered under one their subscription package. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Make sure you go visit our sponsors, Simply Safe and The Athletic, uh, both those sites with slash overtime. We'll get you those deals as well. Buddy, just did the hour. One take, one take hour-long podcast for basketball. Go find other, some other people in the world that can do that. Not many, though. You know, just take one, take one breath and just fire it out for an hour. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> all right. dfsr.com slash deals will get you started. Buddy, enjoy your Wednesday in hoops. Will do, buddy. Peace.